Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be crazy. Hello and welcome to episode 36. And we are going to be talking today about indirect cost rates. All right, so what exactly is an indirect cost rate? For those of you who say, I know exactly what that is, it's probably because you have a negotiated one, right? For those of you who may not know or who may be kind of familiar with it, but you aren't sure if you actually utilize it, what an indirect cost rate is, it's a part of your budget, okay? And this is a magical part of your budget because I get a lot of questions about operation costs, funding executive directors, you know, things that aren't specifically project uh, targeted, right? Even thinking about rent or utilities, phones, all these things that might not be directly project related, but they are part of the overhead of the organization. And indirect is where you can put some of that. Now, an indirect cost rate, according to the Department of Interior, it's quoted, an indirect cost rate is a tool for determining the proportion of indirect costs each program should bear. So it is the ratio expressed as a percentage of the indirect cost to a direct cost base. Now, if you still, if that doesn't, you can't really get your head wrapped around that. What it basically means is that there's definitely indirect cost related to every program. Every grant project has some sort of indirect cost rate, just like I had mentioned the executive director. Now, the executive director may not be the project director that you have over a grant. So say if you had an organization for animals, you had an animal shelter, right? It's a nonprofit. You have an executive director that oversees the entire project. And then you also, for the grant or for all of the projects, right? She oversees everything. But for the specific grant that you're getting to actually, you know, be have a, a spay and neutering program, you have a project director and you have this project director to oversee the spay and neutering grant project and that's going to get funded. Now, the executive director, just because they're going to oversee all of the projects, you know, you could do one of two things. You could maybe put five or 10% of their time as a salaried rate in the budget for the grant, or you may prefer just to always have the executive director's salary included in the indirect cost rate categories of every single grant proposal. So that way you're not putting them in the salary category, like in the main part of the grant, you're putting them in the indirect part. And you're going to put a percentage of every single grant towards indirect, and that's gonna help cover the executive director's salary since they oversee all grants, right? That's kind of to say that is an indirect kind of way that they, they're they not directly involved with maybe doing all of the services, the spay and neutering, but they oversee it, right? They're definitely gonna read the grant. They might do some grant reporting. They might go to some of the trainings or whatnot, or they, don't, they just might, you know, supervise it. Now, the other person, who else could you think that could fall under this? What other role? Another role that could fall under this uh, indirect cost rate category 
category would be your accountant or your bookkeeper, right? Because they probably do a portion of every single grant, right? So you might just include them underneath that indirect category. So those are some examples. The other thing, like I said, rent, utilities, phone, anything where indirectly have an impact because you might only get a $5,000 grant, right? Um, you're not gonna have enough to pay for your rent for the entire year or the portion that has a project, but just because your rent is included in the indirect, it offsets some of those costs. It offsets some of the overhead. So if you're really having a hard time and you're saying, oh my gosh, we don't even include an indirect category in our budgets when we're writing grants, you definitely need to rethink this, okay? So now let me just kind of step back a little bit. Now, before 2016, you actually, according to the OMB Super Circular, you actually had to have, a, you had to negotiate your indirect cost rate annually. So it was a big, huge process. A lot of nonprofits just didn't do it because they said it's too much of a headache. It takes too much of our time. We're not going to do it. Some people though, they did do that. Some organizations, especially larger organizations, think universities or hospitals or that sort of thing. So the percentage of their indirect cost rate, I've seen it as high as 66%, which is crazy high. And I think way too high um, because in your budget, think about your actual project budget is now all of a sudden it's only 44%, right? So that doesn't fund a lot of your project, then too much of your project, the grant monies are going into your overhead and they're not going to the projects. But it depends on how your organization is set up. Definitely. Now, if you're still confused and this is all like a different language to you, I totally feel you. <laughs> so what I'm going to take you through is a budget. Okay, so if we think about a budget, usually you have different categories for your budget. And the main categories, and I always tell this, you know, to my clients, if you sign up for any of my, you know, my courses, my book, any of the free resources I have, I usually include a free template for a budget. So please go to my website, uh, grantwritingandfunding.com if you guys are interested in getting a free template for a budget and I have it set up to what the feds require. Even if you're submitting a foundation grant, I say use the federal format because you want it to make sense then when you get federal money right? You don't want to have to switch your accounting the way you're doing accounting and all your categories are different. It just gets way too confusing. So I say follow the feds and it's very simple. It doesn't have to be complicated at all. I'm going to go over each category very briefly. And in that way, you can keep track in your bookkeeping. It's always the same categories across everything right? Okay, so the first category would be like I had mentioned personnel. And personnel is basically your employees, your staff, right? So these are the ones that you have to pay benefits for as well. We're not talking about consultants, we're not talking about contractors. Think personnel. And it doesn't have to be full-time personnel either. You could say I have a part-time staff, but still they're an employee, right? So you're still paying their FICA and everything. But under the personnel category, don't include those other benefits. Just include their hourly rate. Now, your next category, so that's category one. And that could be the project director, like I said, for the spay neutering program. And it could be a part-time assistant, right? You would say, our project director for the spay neutering program, under that personnel category, maybe they're getting $25 an hour times 2,080 hours a year. And that means that's basically accounts to 40 hours per week times 52 weeks. That makes up a year, right? And that's how you would calculate that. Your part-time assistant, they might be, you know, $12 an hour times 1,040 hours. So that would be 20 hours a week for 52 weeks. And that would be your budget for personnel. Now, underneath your second category is the fringe benefits. And that 
that is where you would put FICA. And right now that's 7.65%. So multiply that against the total for the personnel column. And that would be your percentage. If you include workers comp, if you include any kind of health or retirement, you would also put that in the fringe benefits. All right, so those are two categories. Your next category, that could be where you have the travel. Now, if you have any travel, if you're gonna be driving, you know, that's your gas mileage, you would be putting it there. If you have to do any flights to go to any conferences, a lot of federal grants, they do require that you have an annual trip, you know, usually in DC or somewhere once per year so they can do training and you have to put that in your budget. Um, they are getting a little bit more where you can do more conferences and that sort of thing because it's saving them money. Because basically they're saying you have to put it in your budget because we're gonna have, we're gonna pay for it. Because we're telling you that it's mandatory that you have to come, we have to pay for it. But then automatically that's gonna come out of your project monies, right? So it's really a win-win for everybody if they did more stuff online because then you'd be able to keep those monies for your actual project. And like I said, get it, gas just getting around town, that sort of thing. If you're gonna be driving a lot, you wanna include those money. Those money's there in that category. Okay, so the next thing you could look at is now we could look at consultants and contractors. And that might be, you know, you're going to hire out a graphic designer at $1,000 a month to put a huge campaign together to get people, you know, to, uh, to know animals out on the street, to find them or whatever. So you want to hire somebody and they're going to do the posters, they're going to do the graphics, they're going to create a logo, they're going to do this huge campaign for you. And you're going to pay them $1,000 a month for five months or something like that. So you could say, we're going to pay them out $5,000. But you see, they're not an employee. You're not going to pay their FICA. You're not going to pay their health and uh, welfare benefits or anything like that. You're going to outsource them and they better have a business license and all that, right? For just a specific job. And that's absolutely fine. That's where you can put your consultants and your contractors. So anybody that might fall under there, you can definitely put them there. That would be that category. The next category you can look at is equipment. Now, according to the OMB Super Circular, and I'm definitely going to have this linked on the website, anything above $5,000, that's one item. Okay, so that might be if you need some kind of equipment for the spay and neutering. So maybe you need some kind of like table that comes with the, I don't know, some medical tables, <laughs> we'll call it. I'm not really sure what you need for this, but um, so if you needed a medical table and it costs $10,000 and it's one table, right? And you would have to include that in the equipment category. Now, if that medical table was less than $5,000, you would not include it as equipment. You would include that under supplies or other, depending on your grant. You still need to look, but you can put it in one of those categories. It's pretty easy to shift around. But if it is above $5,000 and it is one item, and what I mean by one item, just real quick, is if you have 10 computers and that amounted to $10,000, but they were only $1,000 each, you would not include them as equipment because there's 10 units that are more than $5,000. Does that make sense? So you would put those under supply because even though they amount to $10,000, it's not one unit that amounts to more than $5,000. It's 10 units that amount to more than $5,000. So that's why you would put them under supplies. Equipment would be one thing more than $5,000, that medical table. I've also seen this like food trucks, those kind of the big ovens or whatnot that you need for commercial kitchens. Those things can amount for one item to be more than $5,000. So you would put that under the equipment category. Now, if you put something under the equipment category, it's a single item and it costs more than $5,000. You better make sure you include 
three quotes to back it up, right? You don't want to overinflate anything. You don't want your reviewers to be like, oh my gosh, are they overinflating this? Because I don't see it compared to anything else and I have no idea what a medical table costs. So, and this is what reviewers might be asking. They don't know, right? So if you include three quotes and they're all above that amount, or even if one's less, a little bit less than that, but you can prove to them that the quality is worse, right? So they can also look at that as long as it's not, there's not a huge price difference. But you can sometimes, you know, say, we're gonna pick the one that's a little bit more expensive. You just have to back up your justification in why you're picking that one. But yeah, you should definitely show three quotes and you can find these, you can have quotes from online, you know, on Guam, on the island of Guam. A lot of times we do have to buy the more expensive one because if we look at the cheaper one that we can buy online, then we have to pay for shipping and then automatically the prices go up a lot. Or even if the shipping's included and it's cheaper from off the island, we say, we don't know when we're gonna get it because it might get stuck in customs, right? So we can kind of justify uh, a higher price sometimes. And that might be in your situation as well. So you just have to make sure that you justify whatever that is and provide the three quotes so they can see kind of what the ballpark price is, the average on that anyways, on that what that equipment is. Okay, so that is your equipment category. Moving on to supplies. All right, now supplies, and that's, those are the computers, you know, some software, sometimes those are office consumables, you know, just any kind of supplies that you're going to need for your project. So under that, they might have like certain kinds of medical things that they need, syringes or whatnot for this uh, spay and neutering program. Um, they might need brushes. They might need, you know, some certain things. They need a laptop or actually don't get a laptop. Don't, try not to get laptops, sorry. Grants are getting away from laptops. They want more desktops because laptops are too easy just to walk away, right? Walk away from the program. I mean, sometimes you need a laptop if it's like field work. Um, or tablets even for that matter, and that's fine. Once again, you have to justify it, but try to get more desktops for in-house office. All right, but you might have, like I said, computer software, uh, office supplies, project supplies, all of that would fall underneath supplies. Then you may have construction. And under construction category, that's things to do with construction. So it's pretty self-evident there. And I don't see so much of this, I mean, uh, you know, grants to fund construction are a little bit harder to come by, but you can definitely include that and just put NA or zero if you're not gonna have anything in that category, that's fine. The next thing is other. And other is basically everything else. What this could be is, you know, maybe you have some specific cost for your animals. So the animals need to have some kinds of I mean this could be in your supplies too it's kind of more it goes by your grant so it's not solid sometimes between supplies and other I've seen federal grants that computers are considered other and then other federal grants where computers are considered supplies so it really it depends on the the funding opportunity announcement but basically other would be anything else that doesn't fall underneath the supplies and that could be rent right maybe you need to cover a certain amount of rent or kennels, kennels, uh, that could be your utilities there. Once again, you can, if it's directly related to your project, you can include rent and utilities and phones and all of that inside the grant. But sometimes it's more indirect. And that's what we're gonna talk about now. So we've gone over these different categories, right? So now you have a good idea of, okay, these are all the different categories. You have personnel, fringe benefits, travel, and I might get these out of order. <laughs> So please forgive me. But, um, and then you also have consultants con slash contractors, uh, supplies, other, and construction. Okay, so then you have indirect. 
So basically you would say, all right, we have $80,000 worth. All of our grant has already added up to $80,000. So you'd go to the indirect cost straight line and you would say, okay, that's where our indirect goes. Now we multiply $80,000 by our indirect percentage. And that would be if you already have a negotiated cost rate, obviously you would use that. For those of you who do not have a negotiated cost rate since 2016, uh, now you can actually use 10% de minimis rate. And that's super cool. So you don't have to go into negotiations. If you are under $500,000 per year, even under a million dollars per year, I mean, you may not want to go into the whole negotiation thing. It might not be worth it. You might as well go with 10%. If you're never doing indirect, now is your time to do it. You are allowed to do that without having to negotiate. You can just put in all of your budgets at the bottom. Indirect cost rate de minimis, right? This is a de minimis 10%. So you would go to 80,000, you would times it by 10%, and it doesn't, you can go up to 10%, but I definitely recommend 10%, and then you would have $8,000 there, right? So all of a sudden you would add your 80,000 project expenses to your indirect eight thousand and you would have eighty eight thousand dollars total that's what you're asking the feds for or the foundation or your funders right you're asking them for a total of eighty eight thousand dollars eighty thousand is direct you know it goes into personnel it goes into hiring that project director it goes into paying the fringe benefits it goes into buying that medical table you know your travel blah 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 like all of your supplies but then you have that extra eight thousand dollars you know, to maybe pay some of your executive director, to pay some of your accountant, to pay some of your overhead. That is where your overhead exists. If you do 10% and you are allowed to on every single grant, you can even do it on foundation grants. Just keep it, keep this budget consistent. Keep these categories consistent again across everything. You know, even monies that come in from funders, try to just make this your budget. Always have the indirect there, have your 10%. And then you have a little bit of a buffer because it is, you have those costs and it's hard to actually put them under certain projects sometimes because they go kind of across your project, you know, indirectly. Um, they go across more of your program, I should say, than just a specific project, right? So that's where you can really get some, uh, you know, you can offset some of these costs. And I definitely have some links on my website. You can check it out. Um, but when you're actually looking at your indirect cost rate, just make sure you don't just use it. It is a buffer and it's not. You still have to, inside of your organization, internally, you have to come up with what you're going to actually categorize as indirect. Is it gonna be executive director? Is it gonna be accountant? Is is it going to be rent? Blah, 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 blah. What else can you put in there, right? And then you have to keep it consistent. So it's just not every grant, you just take 10% and do whatever you want with it. You already know what you're going to allocate it towards. But, you know, internally, you have to figure that out, what you're going to allocate those monies to. And then go ahead and put it across every single grant and you have that 10%. All right, so definitely go to the website, grantwritingandfunding.com. You can check on uh, podcast episode 36 and you can get more links. You can get all the connections and links. You can also put up a budget there too if you just haven't received one of those just so you can have a template with those categories. All right, guys, so I will see you next week. I'm actually gonna be in Michigan. Super excited. I'm gonna be interviewing some people while I'm away and it's gonna be a lot of fun. So um, yeah, if you guys are in Michigan, let me know. If you're in Hawaii, let me know. I will be in both places in July and August. All right, guys, I will see you next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the grant writing and funding podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.